1: um, thank you for everybody sticking with the podcast, even though I've been out for a month, um, and I've been off. I was out uh, writing my first book, got the first draft done, and uh, but I couldn't have done it if I wasn't able to leave on it in fully capable hands, and one of those sets of wood-carving, furniture-building capable hands is uh our chief marketing officer and one of my good friends a guy i've known for many many years now um mike spadier welcome man what's up boss welcome back (laughs) thanks brother appreciate that so yeah as i was saying you know i've never been able to do this because well before on it i had a bunch of other clients and people i was working for and so i couldn't take this amount of time off and then after since i started on it there's no way i could leave and comfortably feel like everything was going to be okay like completely just bounce i mean i had a separate email and a separate phone and i could kind of like peek my head over the wall and see what was going on but every time i peeked everything was fucking going great
2: mission accomplished
1: and that is an awesome awesome feeling to have so um yeah so i mean really from kind of let's talk about that a little bit first and then we'll get into the writing um you know, the ultimate dream of a of an entrepreneur and someone who's starting something is that you can create something with enough momentum that you don't have to be there for the momentum to continue. And I think now, like, what on it is has permeated through all the chiefs down all the way through the entire operation. I think that's fucking pretty, pretty rad.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you're saying as, a, as an entrepreneur, that's the goal, right? So you have this fully capable team of assassins that can handle things, things while you're away. But even, you know, the way that it works, like with any structure is like the tip of the, of the iceberg, you know, you mm-hmm. dictate policy and then it kind of goes down from there. So as kind of a macro example, you're saying you want to put these systems in place so you can go away and then they, they, they work. And really that's kind of a, on a micro scale, that's what I'm doing as well. Yeah. You know, with my team, I've, tried my best to assemble a team of assassins that I can do the same thing to, yep. to where I can say, here's the broad strokes, go forth, go do your thing, you know? And luckily we have a team of people that mature enough and professional enough to handle that, um, to where I can focus on my one or two things that I really need to focus on, give them the broad strokes and then just everyone comes together and kicks ass. Yeah. So that's what you're seeing.
1: Totally. And I, I think it's because, all of us, you know, we, we lead by inspiration mm-hmm. too, you know? So the fact that I'm gone doesn't make anyone who, you know, directly reports to me and I work with on a day-to-day basis work less because they're like, Oh, Aubrey's gone. Now I can slack off. because probably I'm not, the opposite, probably the opposite, <laughs> yeah. right? Cause I'm not watching your guys and busting your balls about time and keeping, you know, that's not the way it works. I'm just mm-hmm. expecting you guys to be fucking fired up and cause I'm fired up. And then, so when I leave, it doesn't mean you're no longer fired up. You know, you're right. still just as fired up, if not more fired up. Cause you're like, all right, you know, like let's really kick some ass. So he has this confidence that, you know, he can do what he needs to do when he's gone. And then you instill that in your team so that if you have to go, your team still stays motivated. And I think that's one of the errors that a lot of, you know, managers and leaders and, and bosses have is they lead by oversight and by fear. And so as soon as they're gone and that fear is lifted, it's like fucking party time, you know, like because nobody, you know, it's like that that overbearing presence is gone. And that just leading in that way just ensures that you're going to be stuck.
2: Yeah, it's I mean, unfortunately, some situations, some workplaces like there's no way around it. You know, you have you have a team of people that need to be very, very closely managed. I'm super stoked that we don't have that situation. I've worked in that situation. It sucks.
1: Do you think that that, do you think it's, you know, that like just certain industries and certain companies, like you have to have that. It's just the way it is. And there's people that
2: thrive on that. I've worked, I've worked for managers that their job is to manage. They literally don't do anything (laughs) except call meetings and tell you what you did right and tell you what you did wrong and Uh, then ask you to go do some reports and bring them back and have another meeting and their day is booked solid with meetings that's their job sucks nobody wants (laughs) to do that nobody wants to be micromanaged right but having you know the complete opposite experience here like Sorry, anyone out there that has to deal with that. But we have, we have it pretty sweet.
1: I, I wonder if there's not a way in, in any situation, though, that you could create at least something close to that. I mean, something where no matter what it was, I guess if, if your actual business operation is something that's kind of doesn't sit right with you anyways, mm-hmm. you know, like you're kind of maybe some kind of call center of some sort. But then, but then you would just have to financially motivate the fuck out of people. You know, to but get that's them. To also,
2: but then you're also creating another f- bad motivation source. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like the reason that this works so well is because everyone has a pure intention. It's true. Everyone just wants to do the best that they can because they believe in the product. Right. If you're no offense out there, but if you're working at McDonald's, if you're a manager at McDonald's, you know you're you're lining someone else's pockets really all mm-hmm. the way down, and then you've got this quality of employee at some level who's just there for you know, a couple bucks trying to get out of their shifts whenever they can. It's just not an environment where that works.
1: But then, you know, I think about some of like the teachers that I had in terrible Mm -hmm. classes, right? Like if you get a good teacher in a Mm -hmm. terrible class, all of a sudden that class can be interesting and that class can be good. So I think there is, you know, there's some elbow room there. Cause if you have, if you're a manager at McDonald's and your employees love you Mm -hmm. and it's just, you create a good environment. If you come in a little down, they're like, Meet you with positivity, and they're like, "Come on, you know." Then maybe, maybe you could get closer to that at least. Agreed.
2: I have a good friend who was a manager at Taco Bell. (laughs) Yeah, and he was awesome, and his people loved him. No, I'm not saying it's not possible. Obviously, you can create that in whatever your situation is. You know, if you're scrubbing toilets for a living, you can still love what you're doing and inspire people around you.
1: Yeah,
2: it's not. It's not necessarily impossible. It's just much more difficult.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, this is this is easy because we've created this movement that everybody here is really a part of i mean everybody's going to the gym Mm -hmm. i mean literally like almost everybody we have like maybe five or six uh maybe ten percent of our employees that don't maybe two or three people left yeah yeah, that aren't in there in the academy or Mm -hmm. getting smoothies or the blended coffees or you know really taking part of this Mm -hmm. and with no pressure yeah it's not like it's like an incentive program you know like like a lot of companies have to have some kind of you know well if you go do this fitness thing we'll pay you extra or some mm-hmm. shit like that mm-hmm. we just make it available and people people want to feel good you know it's an easier easier situation but um yeah it's like this it's that perpetual motion machine that i was you know talking about like this movement you know now it now that it's in play it will keep going you know no matter if i have to leave to write books or i go get lost in a fucking jungle somewhere Mm -hmm. i come back all wide-eyed with some crazy ideas like whatever happens i'm trying not to do that by the way that's not (laughs) part of the plan but like whatever happens the momentum from what you guys yourself and everybody else here in the company has created and even in the fans and the customers and everybody who's a part of it, it's this self-reinforcing thing i mean our customers are bringing it so we got to bring it i mean they're fired up if we if we like let down and just kind of half ass it, we're not meeting our, you know, our end of the bargain to them too. So it's this self-reinforcing thing. It's a complete like you
2: said it best, it's a complete like feedback loop at this point. Yeah. If like the company has become a movement and a lot of people use that term, throw it around there, oh, this is a movement, this is a thing. Like this is a movement. Yeah. And the one thing that like I've come to terms with is this movement is bigger than anyone in the company you know if i were if i were gone tomorrow that's not slowing down anything we're doing if you know if you were gone tomorrow it would stop a lot of the progress that we're headed towards and you know a lot of things that we've done in the past but this thing has legs yeah and it's just it's going on its own pace now yeah and anytime we get wrapped up in our daily shit and you know the the the, the minutiae or whatever if you start to start to get like down on a thing you know something something that has to do with work like oh shit i had that meeting it didn't go well so and so said whatever dude the new thing that i do the best motivation you could do in life for for feeling good about what you do for a living search the hashtag get on it on instagram on twitter and that's the machine yeah that's crazy i mean all day every day no matter where you are all over the world you're seeing people that are just hashtagging get on it with either their workout their diet you know a before and after photo some daily motivation whatever the fuck it is it's just it's a thing and it's just going yeah you know it's i mean if we were gone today this thing is still going
1: no doubt yeah and that's that's a beautiful fucking thing because you know it's a beautiful thing in and of itself and Mm -hmm. it makes it you know a real dream to be a part of this but also because now i get to do stuff like write books yeah you know, like I got to go to a beautiful spot in British Columbia and show up and nobody didn't know anybody there and they were taking care of all the meals and all I did was write and be alone with my thoughts and hike. I hiked around in the woods it's and awesome. looked over bear shit and things like that. And that was that was all I did for you know the first two weeks of that trip. And it was pretty fucking cool, man. Pretty cool. And it's weird because you know, usually, like I've spent some time alone, but it's always usually with somebody I'm meeting, or mm-hmm. like you travel, you have some An kind agenda. of idea, there's some kind of agenda. Like, yeah. okay, this day I'm going to do this. So you have something planned,
2: or there's or there's a, a deadline looming. You right. know, in okay, well, I've got two days to do this until this. Yeah, yeah.
1: To look out at this expanse of time, where it was really three weeks, but I started traveling. Uh, I went to Sedona in the last week hmm. in Colorado and a few other little stops on the end but i had this block of just two weeks where there was nothing on the schedule Mm -hmm. except write. like that was all i had to do it's awesome for and that was a that that in and of itself was a crazy feeling to like actually unpack all of this other stuff that i'm constantly burning and churning and thinking about and feel guilty if i'm away from if i'm at home and i'm my computer's not on my lap there's like this weird guilt you know, like maybe yeah. I should be doing something. Maybe I should be checking something. Oh, I haven't posted something to social in a while. You know, all this pressure. I just put all that stuff away and say I have one task. It's to work on this book. And that's it. And I'll feed myself and I'll, you know, exercise when I need to and, you know, manage that.
2: Yeah. So so we were all stoked because you were able to finally have that moment of... Uh, clarity and, and you know silence to where you could actually focus on this because you've been talking about doing a book for a long time mm-hmm. and it's even for me I've been stoked to see what this book even was going to be about because I know you've had a lot to say about a lot of different things and you've sure. got so many different sides to you know your personality and it's not just CEO of on it it's all these amazing things that you're a part of so I think a lot of people were asking me like what's he writing about I, like, I have no fucking idea <laughs> you know we'll see. I'm sure it'll be awesome. Could, I mean, cause even for me, like when you sit down to do something and you have an intention, a lot of times you start to write something and it kind of changes into something else. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you're, if you're in tune with it, you kind of just let it guide itself. And then a lot of times I'll write like a title for something that I'm working on. And then two hours later, look back and like, that's not what I'm doing, you know, yeah, start totally. over.
1: I started I've started my first book like four times and it's yeah, been exactly. totally different. One was called like the game of life and it was like <laughs> about it was like video games and there was like boss battles and right, like I right. it was in that framework and then the one was now gonna be an ebook and that's gonna be something we'll release from on it, mm-hmm. which is rad, but that's not the book, you know, that's gonna be a, a different thing. And then finally I settled on this idea. It was something I started talking about actually pretty recently on some podcasts when I was talking about go for your win, you know, that was something that really summed up. And I, I gave a speech, um, uh, at Luca Hosovar's event in, uh, in Orlando and gave a speech. And that was kind of the theme of the speech and, and what that was, it just for me summed up everything that I'm about. It's about not allowing society or your fears or anything else to dictate what is your ideal situation and setting that up as your goal, as your win like that's your win and then just going for it and the fact that you're going for it means that you're winning Mm -hmm. you know that's all that's all it really takes as long as you're going for your ideal situation and you're utilizing the skills to the best of your ability which i talk about in the book as well all the different mindsets and tricks and all the things that i've learned along the way but as long as you're going for your win you're fucking winning you've already won
2: agreed yeah it's that's a there's a very like you know, universal truth there. And I try and, I try and use that philosophy on everything that we do, you know? So whenever we're coming up with an idea for a campaign or coming up with really just brainstorming shit, I always like to start with this insane idea. Um, This like insane, like undoable thing that we've never done before. Because, you know, it's like that, what is it, Robert Frost quote, like shoot for the moon, if you miss, you you land in the stars. stars. Right, so it's like, let's start with this thing. Mm Mm-hmm. And then because the intention is awesome, we're already on the right track. And then if we don't reach the moon, like look at all this other sh- cool shit that we did along right. the way. It's going to turn into something amazing.
1: Right. And and the idea of actually reaching the moon is is kind of a myth anyway. What happens if you do reach the moon? Right. Like what are you going to do then? <laughs> the you set like, this whole thing yeah, like yeah. up about reaching the moon and then you're on the moon and you're like, fuck my whole life has been about reaching this moon now Now what what? the fuck do i do (laughs) you know and athletes have that all the time like my mother was a professional tennis player she talked about it she knew tons of people who won the grand slam Mm -hmm. and they would win their first grand slam and that would been their that's been their goal they've been fucking hitting tennis balls four hours Mm -hmm. a day for 20 years and then they win the grand slam and that was their goal in life and they get wicked depressed afterwards because <laughs> they're totally. like, I mean, obviously super stoked for a little while and then wicked depressed. Now like, what? I've set my whole life up to winning this. And, and you know, really, I in, in the book, what I talk about is, yeah, do that. Mm-hmm. Win the Grand Slam. But know that your win has to go deeper than that. Yeah. Like your win is the process. And along the way, you may win Wimbledon and you may win the French Open. Awesome. But set that win at something, you know, some guide star that is... Almost to the point of unattainable, sure. And so you that you appreciate this ride, and you never arrive there and be like, ah, what happens?
2: Right. Or or shoot for the moon, right? And then if you actually are on or about to make it, look look to Mars. <laughs> yeah, you totally. Know, like exactly. make the next planet the next destination. Yeah. And
1: that was one of the little headers. I said your win will change. Yeah. You know, my win has changed consistently throughout my life. I didn't even know I, about what on it could be until right. I'd make it a couple leaps on the lily pad i
2: mean even right even when we started talking about me coming to work you know what on it was at that time and what on it is now
1: no one could have predicted that no no doubt so so and you know even when you're a kid your win like for a while my win was to make the varsity basketball team okay well then from there it was to be all central texas from there it was to whatever i had like all of these basketball things and then at a certain point i was like oh basketball's out And that that entered that entered me into kind of like a weirder period where I was in college and I didn't really know what my win was like getting good grades in college, even though I was going to good school or whatever. That wasn't very challenging. Mm -hmm. So there's this kind of nebulous period where I was pretty frustrated because I hadn't I didn't know what my win was at that point. And I think really tracking that is another key aspect of like what is what would be the happiest situation for you Mm -hmm. short term, long term you know, all, all along the way, and, and it'll change.
2: It really, you know, it's, it's an exercise and a practice that I think everyone should do. Make mm-hmm. time to do that. Set your goals, set what your, you know, loftiest goal is, and then start working backwards from there. Because at least at that point, you've got, you know, a roadmap. You've got, when you wake up every day, you've got that one thing that you're kind of thinking about. Even if it's just subconsciously, you, you put it on paper and you never really, like, focus on it. At least you have that thing, you know, because if you like you're saying, if you don't have whatever that win is that you're going for, then you're kind of just floating. Yeah. And it's it's really frustrating. And you're starting to like you get weird thoughts, resentful feelings towards other people, towards things like, you know, misguided direction. really. Sure.
1: and other times you just use somebody else's win as your win maybe your parents that's probably the maybe your parents wanted you to be a lawyer or a doctor and so all of this pressure both subconscious the desire to please them and all of these other things and you just say okay maybe okay yeah sure that's my win Mm -hmm. or maybe it's you know pressure in a relationship to get in get in a certain type of marriage and have kids by this certain age or whatever this these other pressures that really aren't you, but you just get caught in the momentum of the world's the world's win. Their win is not your win. I mean, maybe you're lucky and it'll coincide, you know, but that's like rolling two ten-sided dice and having them both come up right threes, you know, like maybe, but most likely your win is going to be something completely unique that you have to track and almost, you know, aggressively dismantle the wins of. All the, all the other pressure from society and parents and relationships just so you can really track what your unique thing is. Absolutely. Yeah. And
2: that's really the tricky part is, um, you know, you're saying like in, in your college years when you're getting into this weird kind of nebulous, I don't know what to do with myself thing. Mm-hmm. I think that that's really the toughest part for most people. And where you come out from that is really what's going to dictate, you know, how your next 20 15 years whatever it is is going to is going to play out and if if you can actually be like aware enough of yourself of your of your motivations of your goals and like be able to strip away what other people are expecting of you and really just be super honest with yourself then I think you can start to identify what it is that's really important to you and what those sure. wins could possibly be.
1: And then also not you know taking the pressure off that your ultimate win may not be available to you at that time. Totally. You know, and that's I I suffered unnecessarily in college just mm. because I put this pressure on it. I was like Alexander the Great, great conquered the world at twenty five. I'm going to graduate at twenty four. What the fuck have I done? Right. You know, I had these pressures. Whereas if I would have just said, okay, my win is to enjoy the shit out of college right now. I would have been so much happier and more relaxed and just, because that's ended up what my win was. I mean, I tried different things. I did some stage acting, which was fun. I did some writing, which was pretty good, and some other stuff, which was cool. But really, I had so much immense pressure that I didn't really know what the pressure was for. Mm-hmm. You know, So if I would have done some of the practices like I talk about in the book, which is something I developed, one of the key ones, which I'll mention here, is to write a journal entry and pick a date in the future. I just did this like three nights ago. and It was awesome. So I picked, for me, I picked December uh, 31st of this coming year. So right before the start of the new year. And you start, so you write the date on top of the page, and then you start the entry with, my life is as good as it could possibly be. And then just write a recap of your life. Talk about what you did that day. Talk about the good stuff that's going on. So everything that's going on, And like you're writing a journal from that moment, and the start of your journal naturally came out, my life is as good as it could possibly be. That's awesome. Yeah. How detailed did you get? Pretty detailed. Like smells, <laughs> yeah. sights. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. like uh, Game of
2: Thrones detail. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. I mean, you talk about like, you just make up things. Some of it is, you know, kind of specific. Like you'll make up encounters with, I just had the best, you know, the best dinner party with mm-hmm. all my closest friends who came in town for the holidays. It was awesome. On it, it's doing this. And you talk about some specific goals, got down to specifics of like, The academy has 185 members. I'm stoked. The back areas, blah, blah. blah. Like you get into specifics, but you talk about it like it's already done, Mm -hmm. you know, And, and like you're writing that journal entry of what it is. And so it's just a way to kind of frame these goals in a way that also helps you visualize, but also makes it makes it feel really real. And if I had done that in college, you know, and really tracked that, I think I could have alleviated a lot of pressure and would have been a real good guide. Yeah, man,
2: for sure. That's like uh, similar to like the secret, right? When they were getting really popular attention it was because, you know, if you think it, you can make it happen. And then of course you get, you know, the negative side of that where it's like, you have to fucking work for it. You know? <laughs> right, right. So yeah, it's not like a magic thing where you just write it down and it happens. But there is, I do believe there is something very, very real and valuable that goes along with just going through the motions and, and trying on the, the life that you want to live, you know, even mm-hmm. in your head. Putting it on like it's clothing, you know, yeah. walking around, feeling what it feels like, smelling the smells and all that. Then you start to magically, whatever it is, all you're just of start these, to little mic- all
1: these little micro decisions, yeah. you know, even without any kind of universal conspiracy to help you mm-hmm. out, you know, which certainly sometimes it feels like when you're on the sure. right path. Yeah. But even without that, it's all of these little micro decisions that once you've once you believe and you've emotionally bought into this future reality that you can mm-hmm. have. You start to make these micro decisions that end up guiding you in that in that direction you yeah. know opportunities start to open up because you see them you know whereas you wouldn't have seen them before it's like you ever you know you ever like hear maybe your friend gets some disease or some shit mm-hmm. you've never heard of that disease and then all of a sudden you fucking see that disease everywhere right it's like like when my brothers got diabetes I was my stepbrothers I'd never heard of diabetes I mean I probably should have but I hadn't and then all of a sudden, it was like diabetes, diabetes, diabetes. As soon as you know what your win is, you'll start to recognize patterns. You'll sure. start to see these things and start to make these micro decisions. You know, you'll meet somebody in that field related and you'll realize, oh, shit, that kind of relates to my win in this way. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll go, you know, talk to him a little more, or check out that book or do these other things. And so it starts, to, you start to guide your own path. There's nothing Nothing woo-woo about it. It's just right. about you seeing what that target is and allowing your full brain's capacity and intense capacity to kind of guide that ship closer to that direction.
2: I think I think the part that people might think is woo-woo is the part that they that you don't understand. It's because the subconscious part that starts taking hold. So you don't necessarily like you write down your, your goals, whatever. You don't necessarily wake up and, and reaffirm it to yourself and read it to yourself in the mirror every day you don't even have to look at it again for the next six months. But if you go back and you start seeing, if you you have some successes and you start looking back um, and maybe even pinpoint the date that you started thinking a certain way, you go back and it's like, wait a minute, X, Y, Z. like All of these things actually lined up with that. Mm -hmm. Whether or not I was making the conscious decision to tie it back to that original goal, it just started kind of happening Mm -hmm. because I put myself in that mind frame that I wanted to go down this path, yeah, you know? And it, I don't know, for me at least, it's always like you go back and go, yeah, I kind of did set that goal and I made it similar to this path by making this decision, that decision, that decision, which I wasn't maybe even making them at the time with that in mind, you know, consciously. It was just happening.
1: Yeah. I had a real interesting vision on one of my plant medicine journeys about the conscious mind versus the unconscious mind. And I realized that the conscious mind was like the control ship, like the control helm of this giant, like giant sea monster. And the sea monster was walking almost entirely under the surface, right? And I'm in the control room and I'm the conscious mind and I'm like pointing forward. and I'm saying, go this way. But the sea monster is just kind of listening to me in general. <laughs> and if the sea monster turns, I'll be like, yeah, okay, go that way right you know and it's really like who's really in control is it the conscious mind or -hmm. the subconscious mind i mean we're just a part of this massive body of emotions and fears and desires Mm -hmm. and and i think a lot of this book is about getting fully in control of all of those subconscious and unconscious forces finding out what your demons are attacking your fears releasing attachments that are pushing and pulling you so that instead of just being this kind of false captain of this giant machine that you're like yes this way and the machine's like whatever dude you know and just going where it's going anyways you can start to really like vertically align with the whole organism sure and then move as one and really decide where you're going to go and that's what you know a good portion of the of the book ended up being about
2: yeah the the version that you sent me um i was really really impressed with you know, I was thinking kind of going into it like, all right, well, Aubrey's got a very unique path and a very unique journey that he's been on. And how is he going to relate that to where someone can read it and, you know, put themselves in that situation? You did a great job at it because it's it's a very like nonspecific uh, path. So it's not like it's not like here's what I did. Meet this person, you know, right. go go to this school, go study this thing, read this book. It's like, look, here's the guidelines, the parameters that I it's tried true. to follow. And basically, you know, being prepared for these opportunities and recognizing opportunities and
1: going for the win. Going for, going <laughs> for my win. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's really what it ended up, you know, the direction it ended up mm-hmm. taking. So as far as the process, just so people know what's going to, you know, how it, how it actually happened. I came up with the idea maybe a couple months ago for Go For Your Win, and um, I started immediately kind of getting wrapping my head around it. And a real model for that was Stephen Pressfield's War of Art and Turning sure. Pro. So each page is gonna have its own little section that you can read that all kind of follows. Uh, and that was my idea. So it's not a terribly long book as far as the amount of words. It'll be many pages, because each section will be on a page. But very much like direct to the reader. You know what I'm saying? you know, talking to them in, in a largely a general way, illustrating through some stories and things like that. And then uh, I just actually started writing down like just the headers, even before I left. Like if I would come up with a header idea, you know, in a little section, i just block that down. So I showed up to British Columbia and I had maybe four pages of maybe about 20 of those different little headers, just different little pieces that I'd kind of conjectured. And then um, from there, it was just a matter of adding everything that I could think of. If I thought of something, I would just add it, mm-hmm. you know, and and that process was actually really exciting. Like a, like a scratch pad. Like a scratch everything. pad, yeah. like anything I came up I, even if I didn't have time to write about it, I would just write like the header of what I was mm-hmm. talking about. And then like one, two, one or two words about so which that, direction so I was going. if you read it again, you'd know where you were going. I was know where I was going, yeah, I was yeah, going right? Yeah. So the first few days was this, like rush of excitement of just doing that, you know, and kind of aligning all of that. And then eventually I ran out of those type of ideas. And of course, steadily I would think, you know, every time I would go to eat, I would eat by myself in this little dining room area and I'd bring my moleskin notebook. And it was just me looking out at the water while I'd eat. So I'd think of something and I'd jot it down. So there's still some creation going on, but the real grind part of it was when I had all of the headers out and then I was like, now I gotta fucking write all of yeah these that's things. where you want to just hire someone and be like can you <laughs> right. fill in this right stuff? right exactly <laughs> and there's like no there was no outsourcing that part yeah. and that was that was what really started to test my yeah. will and intentions was is writing is i don't write as my primary job mm-hmm. so i usually write when i feel like writing but this was that was my primary job when I was there so That's I had to, some
2: press field shit
1: so I had to write when I didn't feel like writing I had right. to write when like writing was revolting to me and all I wanted to do was not write you know and so even though it wasn't this extended period of time I had to push through those moments where I was like I just do not want to do this but here's this task and it was really just all right just get to this one mm-hmm. okay you did that one now just get to this just do it just do it you know, just stop thinking and just do it. Because your mind will come up with all kinds of reasons. Ah, well, maybe, you know, maybe your caffeine isn't quite right. Maybe your lunch was a little too heavy. You know, if, if you got like a little bit of a workout or just a stretch, maybe you'll be more in the flow.
2: That's Pressfield, right? That's right. what he said. Totally. That's your resistance. Like, and that's resistance. the difference between the pro. Because yep. you just go and you do it.
1: You just do it. Yeah. And it's like a sacrifice of your of your thoughts. Like, okay, thoughts. Like, I hear what you're saying. They make a lot of sense. You know why? Because they're my fucking thoughts. That's why they make so much sense. They're my thoughts. I own that. But I'm not going to agree. I'm yeah. just going to do it. I'm going to put my fingers there and I'm going to use this computer and I'm going to task this computer with the job of creating that, those words. And that was like a weird, cool turning point for me mm-hmm. in this real just hammering in this ability to mentally overdrive. situation and then that probably catches momentum and then totally yeah totally because i had that but it's always like it was always like a necessity based Mm -hmm. thing like this needs to get done there's people counting on this or it was inspiration based it's not that often that there's no deadline because this book had no deadline i had expectations for myself but but i just was like i i'm fucking here this is a great opportunity and it was full-on arm wrestling with my with my own thoughts and just okay we're moving down you know until i till i pin that wily rascally
2: hat around back <laughs> yeah
1: yeah 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 so then okay so finally finished uh you know finished this really crude crude draft mm-hmm. and then you know took a moment to like breathe and then i was like yeah you know i've heard a lot of authors they talk about like waiting you know letting the book breathe you know giving it in a few weeks so maybe i should just fuck off and just focus on fishing and do that and again i was like no nah, i can't do that right Again, it was you know me-
2: you know where you're going to end up.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. So again, it was that mental override of like, all right, now I got to read this whole book again and again and again and just like combing through, mm-hmm. fixing things, moving things, and uh, and now, so you know, eventually got it to the point where I could send it out to a few key readers like yourself and a few people in the in the close fam, and of course, um, working with Ryan Holiday on this, who was on the podcast amazing book marketer has a great editor worked on tony robbins book and a bunch of other books so got it out to them and i was talking to him about it and i go all right so now you know we'll just keep combing over it and uh you know straightening out the loose hairs put the pomade on it and he's like yeah pomade loose hairs it's gonna feel more like a skin graft (laughs) (laughs) it's like let's just let let's just lay that out
2: so he want he wanted to do some major cutting
1: it's, it's just the process yeah. you know it's just the process of the revision from a first draft especially for a first author yeah. like myself yeah he's like I, and that was even that was even actually before he read it he's like just to let you know you know pomade combing the hair it's good that
2: you have that that outside guidance though because it's almost like it's almost like saying like oh motherfucker you are a first time writer Don't think that this is just going to be you write, you spend a weekend and you write something and it's good to go. Yeah. Like there's a process here. Like respect the process and everyone who's ever written anything before you is going to hurt. And here's the process.
1: Totally. Totally. So now we're in, now we're entering in the skin graft mode where Mm -hmm. he's given me the meta notes. And he's actually been, it's been cool because I don't know. I still don't know whether this is a compliment or not, but he was like, the first thing he said is, well, it's better than I thought. (laughs) Well, that's good, Ryan. I mean, either that means you had really low expectations or it's good. You're Um, better
2: looking than you are on TV. Yeah, exactly. What the fuck does that mean?
1: (laughs) Exactly. Um, But yeah, so you provided some of the meta notes, but now I'm staring back at this thing Mm -hmm. and realizing like this thing that I feel like I birthed and it's like, ah, you know, crossed it off the list is now like fully back on the list with a super high priority, except I don't have this You're not sur- of
2: Vancouver anymore. idyllic
1: <laughs> environment where there's there's humpback whales going yeah. by there was literally one point where i'm writing and i hear this sound it's like <clears throat> i was like what the fuck is that is the air conditioning <clears throat> and i had the windows open and i look out and it's this humpback whale just like cruising right out in front of my window i was like oh it's a humpback whale so i like took a moment got my binoculars and then went back to it i mean this is like idyllic environment all the like food it. i they, they were preparing all the food it was all like fresh forage salads, like stuff they're pulling out of the forest. We had scallops from this island, Quadra Island, which was I could have hit it with an arrow if I had a bow. You know, they're pulling salmon out of the water and you the salmon's give you fresh. A Shout out! Yeah, I, put, I give him a shout out on Instagram, uh, oh, Sonora sorry. Resort, and I posted a picture of all the staff. But Sonora Resort, it's it's That's amazing. amazing. It was it was pretty incredible. But yeah, so but now I have to do this full on skin graft rewrite, and I, I really like the notes. What he's talking about um i think it's just going to make it make it better i think there's the problem is is you always end up with assumptions about what the reader knows about you sure you know yeah, yeah, yeah. because even like on this podcast i do that all the time like i'm talking to people who i expect kind of know me right you know so i say something like yeah i did this plant medicine journey right and, like, and I was what? like what what are you yeah. talking plant medicine what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> <Aloe Vera? laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> exactly what like and and there is some people listening now that are probably new listeners that are like what the fuck is he talking about I'm following him because he started a fitness company right, right you know but you make these assumptions and that book is full of these kind of base level this base level understanding of who I think I'm talking to and Ryan's like no 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 like this is ultimately going to end up in a lot of people's hands who have never heard of you so where do you start then though I mean do
2: you start like with Gravity exists. Yeah, right. right. So like you, like you have to, to like, build a, a universe before you can start talking.
1: That's the interesting line. Like, what's the what's the kind of the anti? Like, yeah. what's the intellectual anti to even get into it? Um, and I think that's something that he's going to help help kind of work with. But uh, but that's a large part of it. And then shortening the because I kind of have stories from a variety of different people. Mm-hmm. You know, I have some Bodie Miller, Pete Carroll. I talk about different people myself and he's saying to just bring these characters more consistently through so it's not just like a smattering of a little anecdote here and anecdote Interesting.
2: here okay so like a through line between so a everyone. through
1: line between introducing characters and then keeping those characters more you know as a part of the uh, as a part of the example so cut out a few of the just one-offs and then focus them in on some more of the unless it's just really a, a gem right you know nice yeah, so so some cool stuff that's gonna gonna happen. There'll be a few more stories about my journey because I'll build that character and I'll you know tie in a few more with Bodhi and I'll tie in a few more with some key key people who have been really influential with me. Um, and then the process as far as publishing. So what we talked about traditional publisher, we'd have to go out and shop this book, and immediately he actually says it's almost a disadvantage to have a published book when you're going to a publisher because then. Then they realize that you have expectations about it and they can't totally mm-hmm. shape it the way they want. Like if you want to get a book published by a traditional publisher, you should write a proposal, take it to them with a proposal,
2: get the advance and get the, get the thing.
1: advance and then they shape it the whole way. They don't really like sure. it when you come to them with a completed book because then they're like, Oh, I don't know what I want to do with this.
2: Yeah. I'm sure they all have their own narrative and their own sure. like, yeah,
1: agenda. And, yeah. So, and then also, all right. So let's say even, even with that, then they'd pair us with an editor and they'd start to Really mess with it. And Mm -hmm. he doesn't have the greatest degree of confidence that sometimes they're great. You know, sometimes they're like awesome, like that guy, Sean Coyne, Stephen Pressfield's editor, Mm -hmm. you know, one of those rare individuals that's just a badass that you run into that's going to really make your book better. But sometimes it's not. Sometimes someone who doesn't get it wants your book to be something else. And that would be the
2: key. They'd have to understand what it is you're trying to do and not just be a job.
1: Right. Exactly. And they'd have to just buy into that. And you're dealing with a human. You know, it's like a human, there's the human factor, you know, so maybe you get the right editor, maybe you don't. And that happens always after the kind of agreements already Mm -hmm. in place, you know, so you don't really know how this whole thing's going to work out. So we went over that. Plus it would be at least a year, um, even after we finish the draft, like at least a year in advance to get that thing out. So what we're going to do is I'm going to self-publish it and just get it out there and that'll allow us to create what we believe is the absolute best book possible get it out to the audience and then if a publisher wants to pick it up because we'll never be able to distribute it to airport bookstores or anything like that without a publisher but if in that form a publisher can still acquire the book even after it's been produced like a lot of these classic books keeps getting flopped back and forth between uh editors i mean uh publishing houses that buy them and do stuff so um Get it out in the best form possible, and so we just kind of locked in, proved the concept, prove that people dig it and enjoy the book, and then from there, um, hopefully, attract maybe some of the publishers who might be interested, and uh, to go buy the book, and then you'll see it in your local airport or wherever actual books are sold. Where are actual books sold now <laughs> on the internet? Now, on the interwebs, <laughs> yeah. So we can we got that covered, but but you know in those other places where people are buying papers, that's literally
2: the only place I see books anymore is the airport. Yeah, I guess there are. Are there book? is there Barnes and Nobles still around? One of them went under, right? Borders. Borders
1: is done. And there's fewer Barnes and Nobles. <clears throat> yeah. But The Barnes and Nobles near my house just turned into a gold gym. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's a lot of overhead no for, for mostly digital books. But you know what's rad about digital books? Okay, I'll tell you another part of this. So I, I read most of my books in the last five years on either iPad or Kindle. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cool part is, is that all the highlights are there in the in the book. Yeah. So I was able to get uh, some help from my assistant to take all of those highlights and put them in a Google Doc. Nice. So I was able that's why I was able to reference all those quotes and like all of that was ready. But Kindle makes that even easier because they have this like scraps or notes section right at the end that actually compiles all of your notes from all of your books. puts it all together. puts yeah. it all together. And then you can re-highlight those to get your like super picks and mm-hmm. then it's like the scraps of the scraps that ends up at the end mm-hmm. so i have this like highly highly curated That's you awesome. know kindle notes thing. i tried to figure yeah. out a
2: way to do that on my own like you said you had your assistant do it but i've tried to like copy and paste and then like tweet myself from an account that doesn't exist somehow. oh yeah you know so, you so, you so you can, can copy the
1: it. text yeah yeah yeah, yeah. there's cool. i haven't figured out a way to do it other than mm-hmm. just peck so it out typing it yeah yeah <laughs> peck it out but the key is just not to do too many extraneous yeah. Highlights because you can get you know really all of a sudden you get another
2: book <laughs> yeah exactly you got, no, like, totally. you
1: got like 60% yeah like sixty percent of the book yeah. you know I look at some people highlighting stuff I'm like what are you doing to yourself so, you're, okay you're so that's, yourself
2: that's interesting so what about what about the parts where you can see four thousand people highlighted this part.
1: I know it's so did, much pressure. Didn't right? that,
2: but like, <laughs> fuck! What? What? What am I not getting? Yeah, I don't get it. It's so that's much not pressure. that important to me. I want to highlight this part.
1: <laughs> I've definitely succumbed to the pressure <laughs> before. I've definitely. So what we're talking about is like on Kindle, you'll see a section. There's a little dash line on it, yeah. and it'll say like two thousand other people highlighted this section, and I've definitely just like, well, it's not my favorite line, but yeah, it's, it's got to be good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's got to be good. But then you actually. When you highlight something that you know is a gem and it doesn't have one of those, you're oh like, oh man, that's all me. You're like, people are sleeping on yeah. this one. <laughs> people are sleeping on this shit. cool. I'm not going to tell anyone <laughs> about this one. No worries, world. It's like, I got your back. I'm
2: going to be the smartest dude in the room when I yeah. quote this part.
1: It's an interesting, interesting process because I've talked to Ryan. We talked about it on the podcast. He has, like, he learned from Robert Green this intricate kind of note card system where he has all of his things offline in these note cards. So if, like, his house caught fire, it would be massive disaster you know but that's his method and actually that would have been super helpful to have my sections on note because that was the one thing i missed was like a printer because mm-hmm. i'm trying to organize which section goes in front of the other and it would have been sweet to have them all on okay, note cards actual like tactile actual yeah. tactile yeah. like a board or something that i could just organize I'll show that you,
2: way i'll show you this thing i had josh coded up a couple weeks ago just similar thing but basically a digital board with post-it notes of all the different things that we're working on and i can move them around and reshape them and it's
1: nice it's really cool nice yeah technology in that way is gonna prove incredibly useful and of course everything's loaded up on the cloud you mm-hmm. know and so it's just accessible from anywhere you don't have to worry oh shit i have that you know word doc mm-hmm. on this computer and i can't work on it because of this you right know? and then google docs you can work offline now too
2: and the the Conveniences that technology affords with all these things, the tools for writing and reading and research and all those things are innumerable. But the one thing that's kind of a bummer and it just sounds weird, but, you know, when you read a book, there's almost like there's almost a mentality of it's a trophy when it's done. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you want to put it on that shelf. Yep, and then you're like, these are my these are my trophies. Look yep. at all of the knowledge that I have acquired, right. right? And then when people come into your study and they go, Oh, look at all these wonderful books you've I read. Know. Yes, I've read all of these books. <laughs> I've acquired all of the knowledge on this shelf. <laughs> totally. And then what are you gonna do? Fucking put eighteen Kindles up on the wall, <laughs> right? You know, like take my word for it. This Kindle is full of a bunch of books I've read. Uh, yeah, ten thousand books, no doubt. Like, how, how are you gonna let people know how smart I you are? I think
1: you buy you you, <laughs> you buy the book you just buy it and you, you just buy. ruffle it up you just you just kind of must Take the price you tag just kind of muss it up real quick you know you put it in a sack and you shake the shit out of it so Got it looks it. like you read it right and then you just put it up there and you actually did read it mm-hmm. so it's only just you know it's like a decoration mm-hmm. that, but i so i think you double buy books that's double buy. i think you double buy cuz then also you know you're going to want to loan that book to somebody if it was any good yeah you know and be like oh man i read this great book you should totally check it out mm-hmm. and it's never a loan it's a gift
2: I always buy the book for someone. Yeah. Because it's like it's like pirating, you know what I mean? Especially yeah. like like usually writers that aren't you know making millions millions of dollars like oh here's the book like i gave my book to or i gave your book to my my brother it's like well thanks asshole why didn't you <laughs> right, tell him yeah. to buy it you know, yeah totally yeah.
1: i think that's that's the way to do it yeah that's what i did with like i have maybe 10 15 books that i'm constantly recommending and i bought mm-hmm. five copies of each i keep them here in the office mm-hmm. and that way when it comes up in conversation it's like oh yeah here right you know read this book and plus how many times
2: do you recommend a book to someone that they actually go buy yeah. like sometimes you you want someone to read a book so much that you're like here i'm going to put it in your fucking hands that's you right. have to read this book right i did that to novak for um uh war of art nice like i was on my honeymoon reading it and i pulled out like i had one bar reception in uh uh where the hell was my honeymoon
1: <laughs> fiji that's, that's, a good, that's a good sign actually <laughs> you don't even know where you were was oh, just a beach somewhere yeah Uh, Fiji and I had like just in your wife
0: (laughs) that's where where you were
1: (laughs)
2: touche so I was reading I was reading War of Art and I was like man this book is Novak's got to read this Novak's the guy who makes all our music by the way and I just like did the one click order gift for a friend sent it to him and he like called me because it got there like the
1: next day her emailed me and he's like dude book's changed my life i was like i
2: know i just read
1: it (laughs) (laughs) that's one of the ones i got right in the shelf there for sure awesome and that's been a huge inspiration not only in content but in format for Mm -hmm. me to kind of write this book because i know how much impact that book's had on me the people i've recommended it and so that was a real kind of guiding star and of course i got to meet stephen pressfield and he's dope he's a bad motherfucker you know he's an awesome dude yeah unique character well, shit, man! Thanks for coming on here and rapping and. Uh, yeah,
2: thanks for having me, man. That was good.
1: Absolutely. So, what do you want to plug here, man? I mean, what's onit.com? On <laughs> you can find me on onit.com. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, check me out on you know all the social. All the socials now at Aubrey Marcus, so it's easy enough to uh, keep track of me and a variety of things. Keep a lookout for a new blog layout. Uh, we'll be working on that over the next couple of weeks and. All's good in the hood. Back in the saddle. Dope, man. Cool, man. Stoked to have you back. Thanks, brother. See you, everybody. Peace.